Oh, amen. Psalm 119. <laughs> I was uh, talking with Nathan and Kayla doing pre-marriage counseling and, you know, they work with Awana, work with their kids. They're both going to be teachers. And I, I asked Kayla if she could get a mean face like her mom to keep these kids in line. And she said she's not quite there yet. Yeah. I said that to Beth Hollinger, and she said, let her teach for about two years, and she'll have the mean face ready to go. I love seeing, so we had Nathan and Kayla, Nathan leading the singing, Kayla singing. That's the goal, isn't it, to have kids that grow up in church that just continue serving God. Noah uh, playing the guitar and and doing those things. Uh, Luke over here involved in the, he was over there, involved in the music and all of those things. It's, that's, that's the goal. All of you young people that continue serving God, that's the direction that we want. You don't have to be a preacher, although if God has that for you, like Aiden, praise God for that. But others, just faithfulness. That's, that's all that God asks for us and from us, and praise God for that. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Lord, thank you for your word. Again, please be with our young people, the leaders, and uh, those coming from Florida uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll give them all safety, and then as the preacher preaches, that your word takes root in these young people's hearts. But Lord, not only that, I know that you speak to the leaders through the preaching, and so we ask that it's a time of refreshing and a, a time of revival for them as well. Lord, help us now as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I do want to say my plan was to record uh, a Wednesday night Bible study. Justin is out of town this weekend. So we're not going to have a Wednesday night Bible study online this Wednesday because I'm going to be at camp. So uh, pray for that, and we're going to have a good time. All right, and then Thursday I'm taking a golf lesson. We're getting serious now because no one who's played as long as me should swing the way that I do. All right. It's hard being a preacher with ADD. You know what I mean? Because, you know, swing comes in and I start thinking of the 1960s, and that's not what I'm talking about. So, do we need to pray again? Well, let's do Okay, Psalm 119, look at verse 17. We're in this eight-verse section today. And one of the things that has been enjoyable for me, preaching through Psalm 119 and trying to take these larger chunks, is it's requiring me to stay right here in this text when normally you know I like to run all over the scriptures and and do a lot of cross-referencing. But don't worry, we'll be back to that when we're done with Psalm 119. But this passage is amazing. This is one of those texts that if a preacher can't preach it, he needs to get a new job because this is so good and so full of truth. And the first thing that I... Let's just read through these eight verses and then I want to... We're going to break it down a little bit. So verse 17, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Now already, hasn't it been fun going through these verses in Psalm 119? How many of these verses we're already familiar with? they're, They're really the backbone of our faith. Look at verse 19. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, 
But thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. So the first thing I want you to see are four requests that David makes in this psalm. Four requests. The first one is found there in verse 1. Deal bountifully with thy servant. Deal bountifully with thy servant. And what will be the result if God deals bountifully with us? He says that I may live and that I, and keep thy word. So I want you to think about this dealing bountifully. This is uh, Spurgeon in, in his book talked about how we need bountiful grace in order to be able to live. So the fact that any of us get to take another breath is by the grace of God. Now we all know that. Isn't that right? But just think about how bountifully God has to deal with us to forgive our sin. What did it take for God's righteous judgment to be satisfied? The righteous judgment. God has all the right and authority in the world to judge our sin. Amen? So what has he done? He has dealt bountifully with us. He has given us life. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That, that bountiful life that God is giving us. And young people, I'll tell you this. I know that you're young. Uh, you're the youngest of our teens. But I want you to know this. If you will follow what the Lord says, and we're going to look at some of the specific words he wants us to follow this morning. But if you will do that, you will have a bountiful life. It might not be financially bountiful, but it will be bountiful in God's grace and joy and mercy. Um, I want you to have a marriage like Laura and I have. I, I want you to have love and hope. I want you to have peace. I want you to have all of that which comes from living a life that honors the Lord. And how do you live a life that honors the Lord? As God deals bountifully with you. You can't do it on your own. None of us can stand before God and say, hey, I did good. I did it right. It reminds me of I had my wisdom teeth out. And, you know, when you go under, I don't know about you. I was afraid I would say something that would embarrass the Lord or whatever. So I prayed really hard before I went under. And at, when I came out, I don't remember this, but Laura told me. I came out and I, I saw Laura or whatever. And I said, I was a good boy. <laughs> it's so funny. We as people... We're not going to be able to overcome our flesh and represent God well in the world. We talked about this in the Sunday school hour. You know, all the protests and all of the, the stuff that's going on. What can happen is that because we feel like we're being attacked, those who hold traditional views of marriage and traditional views of the home and the culture, we can feel like we're being attacked. And if, if we're not careful, we'll react in just the way that the enemy wants us to. You see, wouldn't it be awful if people became racist because they were being accused of racism? Wouldn't that be a horrible response to it? I did an amen right there. Wouldn't that be a horrible thing? And that's the thing. We're not. We're not. We just love people. And let's make sure that our responses are based on how God has dealt bountifully with us so that we can keep his word. Listen, the only way that we can live is by the grace of God. It, it, it looks like a simple statement here. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. That's his first request here. Deep, deal bountifully with me, Lord. And you know, there's a couple of things I want you to think about. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. You know, we all react. And so the name it, claim it, you know, where you tell God what to do and he has to give you money. 
right? How many of you know that's not where we are? And yet, if you want something, did you know that you can go to God and ask him for it? And if it's according to his will, you'll get it. I've been praying for that new Ferrari, and apparently it has not been God's will for me to get that yet. I'm kidding. I don't pray for a Ferrari. But if any of you have one, <laughs> I don't, see, I don't want to own one. I want to know somebody who owns one so they take care of the maintenance. How, is that a good idea right there? That's the, that's the plan. Somebody said about a boat, the happiest day in their life is when the two days of their life was when they bought the boat and when they sold the boat, <laughs> right, because of the maintenance. But listen. If there's, a, if there's a desire that you have in your heart for something, take it to God. Uh, we, we might be embarrassed to do it, but Laura had a list of things that she wanted when we were looking for a house. And she started praying for those things. And when we got our house, everything was on the list. God loves us. He will do things for us. And actually, I'm a little bitter about it because the one thing that wasn't on her list was a shop. So I've got to sell all my tools now because that wasn't on her, her list. Do you see how we suffer for Jesus? Do you see this? Young people, I want you to know something. God loves you. He cares about you. And if you have a desire, you can take it to him. And if he wants you to have it, you'll get it. Now, it could be he wants you to have it through hard work through saving, through handling your finances properly. But I can tell you this, all of us, it it might be a physical thing, it might be a a health issue, it might be a relationship issue, it might be a job issue. I can promise you this, God cares about you, and he wants to deal bountifully with his servant. Take those requests to the Lord, and I think you'll be amazed at what God does. How many of you God has already done answered a prayer like that for you? Praise God. He wants to do that. Okay, look at the next request. Verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And so uh, one of the things that I want to do as we go through this, well, the word at the end of verse 17, keep thy word, that's obvious. It's the word of God. The law, that's the first five books of the Bible. And what the prayer is, is God, show me your amazing things that you have in your law. And I think that if you would spend time in the first five books of the Bible and ask God to open your eyes, I think that you'll be amazed at what's in there. Now, you all know, I want to take about six months and preach that verse and go through the law and show wondrous things in it. That's what I want to do, but we would never get through with Psalm 119 if we do that. So my my challenge for you is, tomorrow morning, open up Genesis chapter 1. And ask God to show you wondrous things. How many of you think maybe in the first 12 chapters of Genesis, there are some wondrous things? And so much more than we even know. Every time I study it, God shows me something more. Every time. You'll never, even in those limited words, the amount of information that is in those limited words, science has not caught up to those words. And so it's so fun. Ask God to show you those wondrous things out of his law. And then notice the other command or the other request in verse 19, second half of the verse. Hide not thy commandments from me. Hide not thy commandments from me. Why? I'm a stranger in the earth. I'm a stranger in the earth. Uh, Only people who have traveled understand this. 
When you go to a place, I remember when the first time I flew into Africa, I, I got off the, the plane, came out into the airport in Ghana, and I stepped in Western Africa, I stepped into a world that I wasn't familiar with at all. I was not familiar with it. People are trying to grab my suitcases, and some of them were wanting to carry it for me for money. Others just wanted the suitcases. It was, it was, it was unusual when I flew into um, Beirut, Lebanon, first time I flew into Beirut. I come out, and the, the, the pastor meets me there, and he drives me, and from here to the back wall is the headquarters of Hezbollah. I, and how many of you have noticed that maybe in Beirut, I don't blend, right? It's, it's, it's strange to be a stranger. Where you don't speak the language, it's tough. Now, praise God, I had people that could interpret for me and that were with me. Other than that, it's a strange, strange feeling. That's just as a visitor. Now imagine moving there and living there. Now you're living in a culture that is completely different than your culture. You're completely unaware with, uh, unaware of it. Diane, I'm sure your mom felt this way coming here from Korea. It's just, it's just different. The culture is different, and you feel like a stranger. We as believers, we're not only supposed to be strangers in a foreign country. We are to be strangers in the earth. We're not supposed to be so comfortable with this world that, that we want to hold on to it. I feel like some of us in the rapture, the rapture is going to take place. You're going to grab hold of a piece of furniture. You're going to be, I want this. Let me have this. Grab hold of your car. Grab hold of your fishing pole. Or your No, no, golf clubs are going with us. That's, of course. I'm a stranger in the earth. So the, the request is, hide not your commandments from me. Why? Because I'm a stranger in this earth. What is that? I need to know how to behave. See, commandments are commandments. These are the things that God tells you. Do this. Do this. Do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. God, help me to understand these things so that I can live. An example. Simple thing. Um, You're wanting to do some electrical work. All right? So, don't stick your hand in the box without turning off the power. Is that a good command? Why? Because your body is not intended to have that kind of electricity. When we lived here on Edgewood Street, Jim Jimerson and Bob Maxwell rewired our house for us. They installed a 100-amp service or whatever it was, took the fuses out, you know, and put breakers in and did all of that. And I asked Bob, I said, uh, he said, I said, what? I said, I'm scared to death to do this stuff. I'm scared to death to handle that stuff. He said, when do you stop? I said, when do you stop being afraid? He said, never. When you stop being afraid, stop doing it. That's a good command, isn't it? Isn't that a good command? How about with a handgun, with a weapon, with your AR-15? How many of you think there ought to be some fear involved in that, Right? You need, to, you need to know where that, where are you pointing it? What's, what's behind what you're pointing it at? There needs to be, what are those? those are commands. Those are commands. Why? Because you've got very dangerous things that you're involved in. Is there anything more dangerous than a teenager in a car? Yes, my wife. No, no, she's a, actually, she's a good, good driver. It, see, commands. We need to know how to live in this world. And so the Bible gives us many commands. Let's just go to Psalm 1 with me 
And just as an example, and of course, keep Psalm 119, but look at Psalm 1. Don't hide your commandments from me, God. Verse 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So here are some commands that God doesn't want to be have hidden from us. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, I heard a preacher years ago. I was a teenager. His name was John Rawlings. He pastored Landmark Baptist Church in Cincinnati. And he, he talked like this. And he was preaching to preachers. And I was there at a fellowship meeting in New York with my father. And he said this, don't ever take advice from a loser. That's a pretty good command. Right? And it's amazing how many of us, you see people and their, their life is a mess, their family's a mess, and they're the first people that want to give young people advice. Maybe don't listen to that advice. Right? That's a command from God. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. How about this? Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So here's what happens. You start walking with them, then you stand and spend time with them, then you sit down with them, and you end up a loser. Don't take advice from a loser, scorners, ungodly. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And we're going to see that. Notice what it says in verse 19, again, back in Psalm 119. I'm a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Lord, help me to know your commandments and understand your commandments so that I can live and make it in this world as a stranger. The other thing is, as a stranger in this world, don't, be, don't become comfortable. Don't become comfortable with sin. Don't become comfortable with the immorality of our age. Hide not your commandments from me. So those are three requests. But notice there's another request in verse 22. Remove reproach. Remove from me reproach and contempt. For I have kept thy testimonies. Remove from me reproach and contempt. For I have kept thy testimonies. In John chapter 17, I, I think it's verse 14. The Bible says, um, uh, Jesus speaking, he's praying for his disciples, and he says, I have given them thy word, and the world hast hated them for it. So here's what's going to happen. Again, look at, ver- look at verse 22. It says, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. So here's what's going to happen. Young people, when you keep God's testimonies, when you keep those things, I'm going to tell you what testimonies are here in a minute. When you keep those, well, your worldly friends won't like that. And it might be that somebody on this road doesn't like God and God's rules. And one of you might try and keep someone else from serving God. Wouldn't that be terrible? Wouldn't that be a horrible thing? And so what we need to understand is when we live for the Lord, when we live according to God's words, God's precepts, God's statutes, God's principles, God's testimonies, these words that are used all through Psalm 119, there are 10 of them to describe God's word. When we live according to those, there's going to be reproach. And there's going to be contempt. And it's hard when the world looks at you with contempt. That's a hard thing. And i got to tell you, my pride gets in the way. I, I, I told the class, I, I was at a store in Oregon. I preached in Oregon this, this past week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. And I stopped at a store. I went in, and it, it was the whole mask thing. I was wearing a mask. It fell down right to here. And people were freaking out. It was, it was crazy, just bugging me, and I'd had enough of it. And I said, let me ask you this. If I, take, if I start screaming Black Lives Matter, can I take my mask off? 
And this girl starts screaming at me, calling me a racist. Just melting down, calling me a racist. I said, you don't even know me. And just all of that, that, that contempt that people have for you. Now, as I told the class this morning, wouldn't it have been better if they showed me contempt because I had preached the gospel to them? Wouldn't that be better than me mocking the liberalism? Wouldn't that be better? And so this is, this is what I'm talking about, where we don't want to react to the culture. We want to, we want to be apart from the culture and stand for Christ in it. You know, the old saying, when the ship's in the water, we're okay. When the water's in the ship, now we have a problem. We're supposed to be ships of righteousness in the immorality of the culture. That's what we are supposed to be. But when that immorality starts getting into the ship, we are going to sink. Now, we won't lose our salvation, praise God, but we'll definitely lose our testimony, our influence, and we will taste the chastisement of God in our lives when we do that. So the request, the request that's being made is very simple. Look at, look at what it says. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Now, if we have reproach and contempt... Because of our behavior, we deserve that. But wouldn't it be wonderful if because we keep his testimonies, that person that was looking at us in a reproachful way, or that person that had contempt for us, what if because of our testimony, God's Holy Spirit and his word pierced their heart, and now the reproach and contempt is removed because they now love the Lord? Isn't it? I'm a friend of all those that love thy word. Isn't that what the Bible says? And so when we have those kinds of people that are around us and that love us, all of a sudden then we don't feel that reproach and contempt. That's what we're supposed to have here in our church. So four requests. The first, deal bountifully with thy servant. The second, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Verse 19, hide not thy commandments from me. And then verse 22, remove the reproach and contempt. Reprove from me reproach and contempt for I have kept thy testimonies. But I want you to notice the next thing. So we have these four requests. There's a statement that the psalmist is making. Look at what it says in verse 20. A statement about himself. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. So my soul breaketh. There's, there's, two, there's a positive and there's a negative side to that. So uh, there have been many times when I've been studying the word and, and my heart just gets so full of joy that, that I cry, that, that, that it overwhelms. Have you all experienced that? But there's the other side too. When I'm reading something in the scriptures that I know, but I've not been living, and my heart breaks. Have you all ever been there as you're studying the word of God? So there's those two sides. But here's what I want you to think about. When you look at your kids, those special moments, usually when they're sleeping, but those, those special moments when you look at them, and it just wells up in you. You can't take it. Your love for them, it's overwhelming. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Right? Some of you kids, your parents didn't raise their hands. So just, I'm sorry. I love you. It, it, when you. When you look at the kids, at your children, before I was a parent, I didn't understand it. Before I was a parent, I didn't like kids. Does that surprise you? Yeah. You guys are messy. You're stinky. You look like your sister. She looks like you, right? We got to get this right. 
But man, when they're, when they're yours, all of a sudden, I started liking other people's kids. It just, it's amazing how God changes your heart. Dalton tells me that when you have a grandbaby, everything changes. Kelsey sent out this uh, meme, her dad with them. You know, it's a Gestapo thing. And then dad with the grandkids. And it's all, you know, fluffy and light and all of that stuff. It just, from what I understand, how many of you have grandkids? It, it just, it just changes you, doesn't it? You like to give them toys that make noise to annoy your children? So I want you all to think about that. The first time you saw your child. And the, the, there's something that happens in you. And I know you kids can't believe that your parents actually feel this way. But I'm just telling you, there is something that comes up in you when you see your children. You, you just love them. So here's, here's my question. So glorifying God by loving his word. That's our study in Psalm 119. Don't, don't raise your hand on this. But how many of you, you feel that way about the Bible? And if you don't have that, that's a good checkpoint in your walk with the Lord. Wouldn't you all agree? It, that, that feeling that you have towards your children when they're behaving in those good times. When th- that feeling that you have towards your children, that my heart breaketh for the longing that I have for God's word. If that's not a part of your Christian walk, that's something you need to go to the Lord and ask him about. Because we ought to love his word more than riches, more than fine gold, the Psalm 119 says later in the chapter. So again, look at, look at what it says in verse 20. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments. Look at those last three words. What are they? At all times. At all times. So a statement about me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath. But there's, a, there's also a statement about the world. Look at verse 21. Thou hast rebuked the proud. What are those next three words? That are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. We need to understand that there is a curse. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, for it is written, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree, Galatians 3.13. We need to understand that this world is under a curse of sin, and that, that curse of sin is revealed by the law. And it's a very real thing. They are cursed. And we need to recognize that. We need not to be angry about the politics. We need not to be angry about the culture. Our heart needs to be broken for the future of all of these people that do not know God. And we have to be careful that we're not so focused on the culture that we forget about the gospel. We need to look at these people. I was just talking with some folks this morning. When, when we have friends, when we have people that are on the wrong side of some of these political issues, they don't need to be corrected politically. They need the gospel. Because when they understand who God is, when they understand the, the righteousness and the justice of God, then we understand that what we need is not justice. What we need is mercy. And it changes our perspective. And we become not angry, we become thankful. How many of you know there's a difference between anger and thankfulness? How many of you think maybe these protesters, many of these protesters just need to be thankful? Amen? 
How are you ever going to get them to understand that when they understand what Christ did for them? Not what government's done for them. There's a book, I think either Erwin Lutzer or John MacArthur wrote a book, what, what, Why the Cross Can Do What Government Can't. So important for us to get that. Princes, here's, here's another statement, verses, verse 23. So what we've looked at are requests to God, a statement about me, a statement about the world. Again, verse 21, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. I want to give you a couple of definitions in here And then I want to finish it with the answer. All of these requests for all of good reasons, the identification of who I am, the identification of who the world is, there's an answer to it all in this text. But I want you to notice a couple of the words that are repeated all through uh, Psalm 119. At the end of verse 17, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. We know what God's word is, right? But look at what it says in verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That's the first five books of the Bible. Verse 19. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. The commandments are those statements, those commands that God gives us. These are all God's word. The word, the law is a portion. The commandments are the portion where he's giving commandments. But notice what it says in verse 20. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments. At all times. We mentioned this last week, or the week before last. Judgments are God's decisions on a matter. You might want to write this down. Judgments are God's decisions on a matter. The judge is ruling his sentence. So God calls rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. That's God's judgment on rebellion. The Bible says that homosexuality is an abomination before God. That's God's judgment That's God's righteous judgment on that subject. Lying lips are an abomination. That's God's judgment on that subject. We need to know God's judgments so that we can make proper judgments. Are you all with me? When God is using these different words, they are for a reason. It's for a reason. Verse 22, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. What, What are testimonies? That's used 23 times in Psalm 119. It's advice. It's instruction, it's reproof that needs to be reviewed and repeated. Testimonies. Here's how this works for us. So I'm going to instruct the young people. So one day I was wanting to jump over a ditch with my bike, which is fun, right? Because I'd seen them do it on TV. What I didn't realize is you need a ramp. So I went to jump the ditch, pulled the front of my bike, and hit the other side of the ditch. And it really hurt. Don't do that. That's a testimony. Does that make sense? And we've all seen that. You see your kids about to do something. Don't do that. Let me tell you what happened when I tried that. That's a testimony. And you can only get testimonies through experience. If someone testifies in court, that means they have some information that's relevant to the case. They have an experience, they have an expertise, they, they witnessed something, that's testimonies. In the Christian life, we need those testimonies so desperately. When the Bible tells us, if you do this, this will happen, that's a testimony. So do you see how God's using these different words, whether it's the word, the law, commandments, testimonies. There's another thing, another word that we'll see, I want you to notice it. So look at what it says in verse 23. 
Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. What are statutes? It's used 22 times in Psalm 119, and those are fixed decrees or ordinances. Do you know that, there, that God does not change his mind? Now, it, God, the Bible talks about how God repents, well, God, and he changes what he's going to do, only because he planned to do that in response to what the people did. God's statutes never change. They never change. There are moral codes, ceremonial codes. Some of the ceremonial codes change. We don't kill animals in this service, right? Why? Because that's a, that's a ceremonial code that changed. His statutes never change. They never change. So we have requests to God. There are four of them. Statement about me, a statement about the world. Well, what's the answer to all of this? Again, verse 23. Princes also did sit and speak against me. And that's the world right now. You know that we have people in government that hate us. They hate us. How many of you think Barbara Boxer likes what we're doing in here? No, they hate us. How many of you think Joe Biden likes what we're doing in here? Well, he doesn't even understand what we're doing in here. It's really important that we understand this. What's our response supposed to be? Got to fight back. Got to make sure that we're heard. No, look at the rest of the verse. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. When the world comes against us, what are we supposed to do? Meditate on what God has told us to do. We don't live in response to the world. We live in response to what God tells us to do. Isn't that good? That's the answer. Look at the next verse. I love it. Verse 24. Thy testimonies. Remember, we just described what testimonies are. Doesn't it help to know that? Thy testimonies also are my, what's this word? My delight and my counselors. You see, I enjoy when the Bible gives me the answer and I get counsel. I get counsel from those testimonies, not the losers. Right? Isn't that good? That's God's answer. God's answer is, I love it. I delight in it. And I, I take its counsel. And then I know how to live. Amen? Isn't God's word good? I love it. I love it. Y'all aren't nearly excited about this enough. We love these young people. These graduates, we celebrated several of their parties yesterday. We love these kids. Do you know what we want them to do? Delight. In God's testimonies. Let those testimonies be their counselors. Man, don't make the mistakes David made. Don't make the mistakes. Don't do that. Those are testimonies. Those are testimonies. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to love it. Lord, deal bountifully with us. Please, deal bountifully with us that we may live and keep your word.